Paddington Abroad, 3. Trouble at the Airport Excitement mounted in the Browns' house during the few days that were left before the holiday. Paddington, in particular, was kept very busy, and he made a large number of trips between Windsor Gardens and Portobello Road in order to consult Mr. Gruber on the various problems which came up. They had quite a number of chats sitting together in their deck chairs on the pavement in front of the shop, and Mr. Gruber had to get in an extra supply of hot cocoa to help out. The Browns began saying, Excuse me, to one another in French whenever they met, and Mrs. Brown spent several evenings making a special label for Paddington to tie round his neck. It was a large label bound with best quality leather and it had the Brown's address printed on it together with the words, Finder will be rewarded, in several languages. Mrs. Bird viewed the idea of going abroad with great suspicion, and she didn't want to run any risks. But at long last, the great day arrived on number 32 Windsor Garden. It was ablaze with light from a very early hour. Paddington was the first up, for he had a lot of last-minute packing to do. He had collected a great many things during his travels, and he didn't want to leave any of them behind in case of burglars. Apart from his old hat, which he was wearing, and his suitcase, which he was carrying, there was his duffel coat, a bucket, and a spade, which he had kept clean and highly polished ever since his last visit to the seaside a disguise outfit, a magic set, a large jar of marmalade in case of emergencies. Mr. Gruber had explained that it might be difficult to get that kind of marmalade in France. The itinerary and other important papers, not to mention his leather-bound scrapbook, some ink and glue, and all the books Mr. Gruber had given him, together with a Union Jack on a stick and an old tea towel of Mrs. Bird's, which had a map of France printed on it, and which he had rescued from the dustpin some days before. Soon the rest of the household was wakened by the noise as Paddington hurried about his room doing up parcels, and shortly afterwards the sound of frying bacon and the tinkle of breakfast plates under him to the general hubbub. "'Goodness gracious!' exclaimed Mrs. Bird. She went upstairs to call the others for breakfast, and met a large assortment of parcels coming the other way. Whatever's going on? It's all right, Mrs. Bird, gasped Paddington from behind a particularly large carrier bag. It's only me. I think I've got my magic wand stuck in the banister. Your magic wand? echoed Mr. Brown as he started to come down the stairs. Good heavens, we're only going on holiday. We're not going to live in France. Paddington looked crestfallen at the pile of parcels as the others disentangled his wand from the banister and helped him down the stairs. Now Mr. Brown mentioned it. There did seem to be rather a lot of things. Perhaps I could lock them in the cupboard under the stairs, he said amid general agreement. But even with several of Paddington's parcels gone, 
By the time Mr. Brown had finished loading the car with suitcases and beach balls, a tent, fishing rods, and thousands and one other things, it didn't seem possible they would get to the end of Windsor Gardens, let alone reach France. I thought the idea of a holiday was to have a good rest, gasped Mrs. Bird, as she was wedged into the back seat alongside Jonathan and Judy. I'm worn out already. It's all right, Mrs. Bird, exclaimed Paddington, importantly from the front seat as he consulted his doings list. We stop for a snack soon. We stop for a snack, echoed Mr. Brown, but we haven't even started yet. Mrs. Brown sighed as she removed Paddington's Union Jack from her left ear. She was quite sure other families didn't have so much bother when they went on holiday. But for all the grumbling, it was a happy party of Browns who shortly afterwards sailed through the streets of London on their way to the coast. Soon they were speeding through the hop fields and orchards of Kent, and it seemed no time at all before Mr. Brown turned off the main road and drove into the airport. It was the first time Paddington had ever visited an airport, and although he had often seen and heard aeroplanes in the sky, he had never given them much thought before. As Mr. Brown brought the car to a stop and they all climbed out, he looked around excitedly at all the planes standing on the runways, waiting to take off. From where he was standing, they looked much smaller than he had expected. Even through his opera glasses, they weren't a great deal bigger. And when he heard that not only were they all about to go up in one, but that Mr. Brown's car was going as well, he thoughtfully expressed a thoughtful expression came over his face. "'Come along, everyone,' called Mr. Brown briskly, as he led the way towards the airport building. "'We haven't much time.' The Browns trooped in through the entrance door and followed Mr. Brown across the hall to a desk marked reception. "'A party of Browns for the continent,' said Mr. Brown, as he handed the girl behind the desk a pile of tickets." "'This way, please,' said the girl, leading the way down a corridor and through yet another door marked Immigration, to where a man in a dark blue suit was standing. "'Have your passports ready, please?' As the girl spoke, Mrs. Bird stopped suddenly in her tracks and clutched Mrs. Brown's arm. "'Mercy me!' she exclaimed. "'Whatever's the matter, Mrs. Bird?' asked Mrs. Brown, looking most concerned. "'You've gone quite pale.' "'Passports!' exclaimed Mrs. Bird. "'What about Paddington's passport?' "'Paddington's?' echoed Mrs. Brown, turning pale herself. The Browns looked at each other in alarm. In the general excitement of planning the holiday and filling in all the forms, no one had ever given a thought to the idea of Paddington needing a passport. "'Do bears have them?' asked Mr. Brown vaguely. After all, he's got a label. I don't know about their having them, replied Mrs. Bird ominously. The question is knowing Paddington. Will they give him one? After all, think of his circumstances. The others fell silent as the full meaning of Mrs. Bird's remarks sank in, for Paddington's circumstances were a trifle unusual to say the least. He had traveled by himself to England all the way from Peru, 
as a stowaway in a lifeboat, and although he hadn't taken up much room and had used his own marmalade, the Browns were quite sure that the owners of the boat, not to mention the customs man and all kinds of other officials, would be most upset if they ever found out. As if in answer to their thoughts, the man in the dark blue suit grew very stern as he listened to their conversation. What's all this? he exclaimed. Did I hear you say there's someone here without a passport? I'm afraid we can't have that sort of thing, you know? You can't go abroad without a passport. It's against the regulations. Ask him to step forward. Oh, dear, groaned Judy, as the Browns looked around only to discover that Paddington was nowhere in sight. Wherever was he? Crikey, said Jonathan. Trust old Paddington to disappear when he's most wanted. What's his name? asked the official, taking a piece of paper and a pen. Well, said Mr. Brown, it's Brown, Paddington Brown, in a way. In a way, repeated the man suspiciously. In what way? We called him that when we found him on the Paddington station, began Mrs. Brown. He's a bear, and he comes from darkest Peru, and her voice trailed away as she caught sight of the expression on the immigration man's face. Bear without a passport, clucked the man. "'and travelling under a false name. "'This is a serious matter.' "'But before he had time to go on "'and tell the Browns just how serious a matter it was, "'the door at the far end of the corridor burst open, "'and Paddington hurried through "'with an anxious expression on his face "'and a red-faced commissioner hard on his paws. "'I found him,' said the commissioner, breathing heavily, "'looking at some aeroplanes through at a opera glasses, "'and what's more?' he added sternly, handing Paddington's notebook to the immigration man. Uh, he was writing down notes in this er, book. That's my scrapbook, exclaimed Paddington, looking most upset. Hmm, said the commissioner. I don't know about that. That's some funny-looking scrap, if you ask me. Don't know as I like the looks of some of them at all. Carrying a disguise outfit wrapped up in brown paper he was. He continued placing a parcel on the counter. Oh, dear, groaned Mrs. Brown. I knew he should have left that at home. If you ask me, said the commissioner, he was up to no good. Well, Bear, said the immigration man, what have you to say? Paddington took a deep breath and raised his hat. I was only looking... Uh, at the airplanes, uh, making notes for Mr. Gruber, he began. There was a nasty silence, as something white and sticky landed with a plop on the floor. The commissioner picked it up between thumb and forefinger and stared at it. It seems to be some kind of marmalade substance. A sandwich, said the immigration man doubtfully, as he looked up at the ceiling. "'It is a marmalade sandwich,' exclaimed Paddington. "'I expect it fell out of my hat. "'I usually keep one under here when I go out in case of an emergency. "'I've never heard of anyone smuggling marmalade sandwiches before,' said the man. "'I think this is a matter for the customs.' "'And that's not all,' said the commissioner. 
as he placed Paddington's suitcase on the counter and gave it a smart rap with his knuckles. There's something funny about here. It's a lot thicker on the outside for what there is an inside. And if you see what I mean... Looking at the aeroplanes through an opera glass, said the immigration man sternly, as he reached down and picked up a telephone. Carrying a disguised outfit, smuggling marmalade sandwiches, all this will have to be gone into. Perhaps he's one of them international bears, said the commissioner hopefully. Probably got stuff hidden in his fur. I don't suppose it's real marmalade in them sandwiches, if the truth be known. We shall have to examine the shreds very carefully, said the immigration man as he replaced the telephone. Paddington looked at the man as if he could hardly believe his ears. Examine my shreds, he exclaimed hotly. That's some of my special marmalade from the cut-price grocer. Paddington gave the man a number of hard stares from under his hat. The immigration man began fingering his collar nervously, and he looked very relieved when a door opened behind him and an even more important-looking official came into the room. "'That's him,' said the immigration man, pointing at Paddington. "'The short, furry one with a hat.' "'There's something funny with his cirques,' said the commissioner. "'My cirques!' exclaimed Paddington, looking more and more alarmed. I felt all right at breakfast this morning. He means your circumstances, dear, said Mrs. Brown, glaring at the commissioner. Now look here, began Mr. Brown. I'm sorry, sir, the second official said firmly. I'm afraid I must ask you to wait here while we question the young uh, gentleman. He motioned the Browns to one side as he lifted up a flap in the counter and led the way toward his office. Paddington looked most upset as he picked up his suitcase and parcel and followed the man. Oh, dear, he said, as he looked forlornly over his shoulder at the others. I hope my circumstances are all right. Poor old Paddington, said Jonathan, as the door closed behind him. He does look a bit suspicious sometimes, said Judy, especially if you don't know him. Mrs. Bird gripped her umbrella firmly. If that bear is in trouble, she exclaimed, they'll have me to deal with, and I don't care who I have to go and see about it. I hope they don't find the secret compartment in his suitcase, said Judy. It won't look good for him if they do. I bet they don't, said Jonathan. No one's ever seen inside Paddington's secret compartment. It's a jolly good one. "'It's all your fault, Henry,' said Mrs. Brown, turning to her husband. "'It was your idea to go abroad for a holiday.' "'I like that,' said Mr. Brown indignantly. "'Everyone else was keen enough at the time.' But even Mr. Brown began to look more and more serious as the minutes ticked by, and there was still no sign of Paddington. "'You don't think,' said Mrs. Brown, voicing the thoughts of all of them, you don't think they'd send him back to Peru, do you? Just let them try, said Mrs. Bird, glaring at the closed door. Just let them try. But by the time the door did finally open, the head official beckoned them in.
The Browns, as they trooped into the office, were prepared for the worst. "'Well,' said Mr. Brown, as he settled back in his aeroplane seat and fastened the safety belt, "'all's well that ends well. But I didn't think half an hour ago we should all be sitting here. Fancy Paddington having a passport all this time?' "'It was in the secret compartment in my suitcase, Mr. Brown,' said Paddington, "'with all my other important papers.' "'Well,' said Mrs. Bird, "'I must say I didn't really think Paddington's Aunt Lucy "'would have let him come all this way without one. "'From all I've heard, she sounds a very wise old bear, "'and it would have been most unlike her. "'Anyway,' she added, "'it's a great load off my mind to know that young bear's circumstances are all right.' "'But what I can't understand, Paddington,' said Mr. Brown, "'is why you didn't say you had it in the first place.' It would have saved an awful lot of bother. Paddington put on one of his injured expressions. No one asked me, Mr. Brown, he said. I thought it was my circumstances. Mr. Brown coughed, and the others exchanged glances. Fortunately, at the moment, there was a loud roar from the engines, and the plane started to move along the runway. The subject was hurriedly forgotten in the general excitement. "'Now we can all look forward to a nice holiday abroad with no worries,' said Mrs. Bird, a few minutes later, as the plane leveled out and she began to undo her safety belt. And to that the Browns, as they looked out of the cabin window at the blue sea glistening in the sunlight far below, echoed a heartfelt, "'Hear, hear!' Paddington was the only one who didn't join in, for he was much too busy consulting his doings list.' He had just discovered that in the excitement at the airport they had forgotten to have lunch, but he was pleased to see that on the very next page there was an entry which said, Arrive in France. Snack. A very good idea, too, said Mr. Brown, approvingly, when Paddington showed it to him. There's nothing like a spot of excitement over a young bear's circumstances to make you hungry.'